Hello and welcome to the All In Football podcast. Uh, we are absent um, our usual host, Cully, today. Um, so instead, you are left with me hosting the show. Joining me is uh, Scott Williams, uh, our Scumfort fan, and Alex Rex, uh, the Man United fan, who will undoubtedly be gloating a lot today about their result over us, uh, as I'm a Leeds United fan. So um, a good result for them on the opening day of the season. Uh, so just as a little uh, flag for you guys listening, uh, you can follow us on All In Football Pod on Instagram and TikTok, although that those words hurt to come out of my mouth, but uh, <laughs> All In Football P on Twitter is our other uh, option if you want to follow us for updates on when our new pods come out and also some fantasy football advice, as Alex uh, suggests it. So uh, we're going to kick straight off. Uh, there was a lot of shocks over the opening day of, of the weekend in the Premier League, and we're going to touch on a few of those now. Um, probably the biggest one is Spurs beating City 1-0. Uh, so, guys, I want to know what went wrong for City. Uh, was it just a really excellent performance from Spurs? Um, and does this show that Spurs could be a force going into the Premier League this year? First of all, guys, um, for the podcast listeners, I want to thank Tom for wearing his Leeds top today because um, uh, that's made me even happier after after the weekend's win. <laughs> um yeah, and uh, well, also maybe happy was watching City lose. So um, I think to start with, we, I, I'm, I'm I was a bit confused by um, City's lineup in the first place, and uh, and uh, obviously they bought Jack Grealish, who's used to playing on the left hand side of, a, of like a front three or behind a striker, and then he was playing on the left hand side of like a three in midfield, and I felt like he was like stepping on Sterling's toes quite a lot. Didn't really like the balance of the City team. They really quite obviously missed a striker. Um, and weirdly, when I was looking at the statistics, they put more crosses into the box than any other team this weekend. And they were putting crosses into the box for, well, basically nobody. Um, Ferran Torres playing in a false nine. It just it just didn't seem to me like it properly clicked for, for Manchester City as a lineup. And And let's be honest, Benjamin Mendy and Nathan Ake are not going to be in that back four either. Um, they kind of played into Spurs' hands for how Spurs' front three were going with Son, uh, Mora and uh, it was Bergwijn, wasn't it? Yeah. Those three. And and it, it kind of was how like Man United play against Man City where we've had some really good results, playing through the middle, quick on the counter-attack. And it just felt like Spurs, sorry, City played kind of into the way that Spurs wanted them to and expected them to. Um, and they were a bit toothless. I don't know what you thought. I, I agree with that. Um, I was I was surprised when I looked at the formation and Grealish wasn't playing where Sterling was. Every time I looked on the screen, he was in that part of the pitch. I thought Grealish looked really good. Um, I thought every time he got the ball, he was positive going forward. And I think I think he's going to have a great season for him. Um, it's just like it just didn't click. Um, I, th- I think as much as Pep wants to pretend he can play without a striker, and he has done it in the past. I think it, you're right. It was evident that didn't ha- they didn't have that there, um, and yeah, it was everything sort of went against him. It was but the perfect storm. Spurs, Spurs were great though. They had the they had the crowd. They've got a new manager who I think is a great manager. Um, he's he all the players looked up for it. They battled hard, and like I said, that crowd was a, was definitely a twelfth man. And the Spurs players have gone. Do you know what? We're not the Harry Kane FC. We can, we're actually decent players ourselves. They've come out and they've shown that. And Pep's just bottling big games now. That's what it's just about five in a row. It's absolutely, he's absolutely bottling massive games, which can be a major problem. And if it carries on this way, 
I can see him going at the end of the season. It's a great point, that actually. About he's, he's never going to get sat though, is he? I mean, it would no, be a no. he no, but I can see away. him going. Yeah. yeah. I, I, did, I forgot, like, say Chelsea semi-final, Champions League final, Community Shield. This game, I, yeah, like you're right. He, he does seem to make sort of weird decisions in in sort of bigger games, doesn't he? Um, I'd be interested to see how Spurs feature without a Harry Kane against uh, its Wolves they play next, isn't it? So I'd be really interested to see how they play as a team against a, a, um, a formation and a squad that are going to play completely differently against them. So, yeah, that, that'd be interesting. I, I think we, we need to not get too carried away about Spurs just yet. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, still, it's, it's City, I think, that needs to be more worried by that performance than anything. And there's a couple of things Scott just said, which are things that I kind of looked at. You can tell from the stats in the game. Deli Ali made more true tackles in that game against City than he has in his entire Spurs career. Wow. Uh, which, in a single match, in a single match. That's not, <laughs> uh, not in terms of his entire career. Alex <laughs> is thinking, ever. No, of a single 90-minute match, uh, he's made more true tackles, which means it's more attempted tackles. You know, it, maybe it's resulted in a foul or he's lost a duel, but he's made more attempts. And Scott talking about, you know, Nuno and kind of great manager. He's a very passionate manager, isn't he? And actually yeah. something that's been lacking from Spurs has been passion and energy. Like you always feel like they're only ever giving 85%. If he can get an extra 10% out of those players, they could be a really good team. And if he can do that for Deli Alley, you know, you're going to do wonders because he's never looked like a player that would do that. The only time he's looked like a player is when new managers come in and he actually wakes up. He's the most frustrating because he's one of the he's one of our most talented players we have in this country. And he only seems arsed when a new manager comes in. It was brilliant. Do you remember when he came in from Mourinho? He had that assist where he was on the ground and he hooks it round and it was brilliant for a bit. And he just seems to get bored and start probably doing his TikToks and Fortnite. And he's not asked anymore. <laughs> Actually, Adele Ali is naturally as talented as anyone in this country. And I really hope Nuno gets that out of him. And just, just literally to finish off on that Spurs point, just when we talked a lot about Kane being out of the squad and obviously the effect that that has on the individual players because they want to show that it's not just about Harry Kane. But in terms of the actual style they played, against City, did not having Kane in that game actually show that maybe Spurs should think about dropping Kane a little bit more in those games because it allowed them to counter-attack in a more fluid way? I suppose so. I mean, I don't think Kane would have hindered it, but I do think that the Bergwijn-Mora-Son combination worked perfectly. So... Well, you say that it, you say he wouldn't have hindered it, but Kane and I'm not knocking Kane. You know how much I love Harry Kane. He's one of my favourite players, but he does tend to drop deeper. But he doesn't quite have the pace to make it back up the pitch. He doesn't tend to dribble with it as much. Where when you've got Mora, Bergvine, Son on the pitch, they were able to spin in tight places, and a lot of the time Mora was dribbling through two, three City players mm-hmm. and starting a counter attack. I, I'm not I don't sure. Think have, I don't think they'd have dropped any of those three though. I think they'd have dropped Deli Ali. Like if they were going to play against City. In that way, I think you'd have seen Kane like drop in a bit, a bit deeper and play the balls through more. Like he, you know, he was linking yeah. it with Son at the beginning of last season. Maybe I, I don't know. Um, it may, maybe, but I think Spurs set up really well for that game. And see, it was so telling the City changes. You know, Mendy came off for I think it was in, it was Zinchenko, and then Sterling came off for Jesus because, as you can imagine, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and wax lyrical about Sterling in that game because, like you say, I think. Grealish did his job plus his own in that, so he was not missed when he went off and Jesus played through the middle. Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, what a player. 
it comes on the pitch and the game's just it's just a different match, isn't it? So we'll see De Bruyne. He's one of the only City players with Diaz who won't get dropped this season because he's so key to that team, isn't he? What what I will say as well is last point really quickly. I think we're going to have a totally different season this year. Eight out of the ten wins, no draws this weekend. Eight out of ten home teams. Yeah, and that was a big difference in that stadium, wasn't it? Very true. Very true. Uh, speaking about home fans, I don't think any home fans in the Premier League will have probably be more excited than Brentford fans. Um, you know, I saw a video of the, f- the fans after that game, you know, some of them crying. Um, I saw pictures of kind of the, the players going around the pitch and celebrating. What a great win for Brentford on their first game back in the in the top flight. But how poor for Arsenal. Alex, you hate the Arteta project. <laughs> <laughs> Further evidence that you're right. I, I spoke to uh, a really good friend of mine who's an Arsenal fan. I called Dave, and he's uh, he's on he's on YouTube by the way. Dab oh six oh three. He's got his own YouTube channel. He's a, he's a good lad, and he's a he's a big Arsenal fan. He talks about Arsenal um, a lot, and I wanted to sense check what I was thinking and what I was saying with him. And he was he basically came back to me and said he didn't even know where to start. Um, he said the problem with the Arsenal is very similar to what we've talked about previously on this podcast and obviously now on this YouTube channel is what is the project? What is What are they trying to play like? Because actually all that we've seen so far is that they're just as soft as they were before. And they've signed Ben White, which is a lovely, silky, amazing player, but they, they needed Lewis Dunk, not Ben White. Like they need someone who's going to go straight through someone who's an experienced Premier League defender. Like as much as I dislike Tyrone Mings, like someone like a Mings. Like they, 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 need, they need a player like that. And they're trying to sign like a right back and a striker, but they've got Lacazette and Aubameyang. And they've got Bellerin and Chambers, but and, and they've got Maitland-Niles on the books, but they want players for those positions. But then they go and sign Erdegaard, which is just going to stunt Smith-Rowe's growth. I don't, I just don't quite get it. And nothing's changing with it. They're just the same arsenal as they were before. So, yeah, um. I don't want to talk too negative about Arsenal when we want to talk really positively about Brentford because I think that's unfair on Brentford. But it's same thing again with Arsenal. We'll see in five or six games' time. So, Scott, talking about Brentford then, you know, talk to me about their performance. You know, it's, we can talk about how Arsenal got it wrong, but how did Brentford get it right? And is it just a case of a lucky one-off game back in the league or did they show signs of being a force? Look, one thing I will say, first of all, no club wants to go away from home to a team that's been promoted on Friday night as the opening fixture of the Premier League season. No one. Because that, that stadium was rocking. And honestly, it, again, the, the fans have really helped them. The first half performance, um, look, Arsenal came into it second half. It looked like a bit of a better team. Um, Saki came on, played well. Uh, Smith rode a good game. But yeah, it was all about Brentford. It's the intensity. If you have a look at that game, it's closing down. It, they, I think Thomas Franks identified they've got a new centre-back in there, Ben White. They've got some you know, nervous defenders. So actually, let's press them really early. Let's get this crowd on top of them. And they're going to make mistakes, which they did. They hated the press from Brentford. And with players like Canos and Tony, I know he didn't score or get a direct assist, but he looked dangerous all game. They've got some players there that that can really perform in this league. And Thomas Frank is amazing because he's another one. We're talking about passionate managers. 
He's so passionate. And I really think that helps these smaller clubs just really drive on. And I think they're going to do well this season. I really do. I don't think they're going to hit the heights of Leeds last year. But I don't think... I think they're going to be maybe mid um, mid, mid to bottom of the... Um, set. Mid to bottom of the bottom half. I'll get my words out. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be in a relegation fight. I think they'll be all right. And I'm, I'm excited to watch more of Brentford. I thought they were fantastic. I think that's a brilliant point, Scott, because I think even before the first game, I was unsure who the bottom five would be this year. I think it's a, and just like the top five is hard to call, the bottom five is hard to call. And this first opening weekend of results has not done anything to change my view on that because, you know, Watford managing to overturn Villa, which we'll talk about later, and Brentford getting a result. You know, I know Norwich lost to Liverpool, but that's a big ask, uh, beating Liverpool on the opening day. Who, who knows how it's going to go? Uh, it's, it's really unpredictable. Can I just say one thing, more thing on Arsenal, by the way? They're buying Aaron Ramsdale, which I don't understand, and they're going to be the biggest spenders in of, of any Premier League club this transfer window. I, I, I just... I, when And they're, they're still not improving this. I just... I don't, I don't get it. Wait and see. But Ed, Aaron, Edu, Edu, what's he doing, lad? Aaron Ramsdale is the luckiest player in the history of football. <laughs> he just keeps getting relegated. Oh, you're in the England squad, lad. Oh, you're relegated again. Oh, we'll get you Arsenal team, mate. Like, 30, million, 30 million quid. He'll get relegated again with Arsenal. Watch this space. I don't understand. I just don't. Sorry, I'm, sorry I'm, God, I'm God at the moment with it. So I do not understand it. Uh, I, I totally, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I think we're all a bit questioning the the transfer business i will say about ben white because we saw a lot of him he is a ball playing defender he didn't win a lot of headers for us because he didn't need to uh but w- what they really need at arsenal is like you said a towering dominant central defender a proper classic central defender to complement him to play alongside him so he can do the fancy playing out of defense and uh that central defender can do the the grunt work uh, but yeah their transfer policy seems haphazard uh, to say the least it's unclear what they're going for. Uh, probably the last big shock of the, of the of the weekend, which is one I've just mentioned, is Watford being Villa. I don't know whether you class that as a huge shock because um, it was Villa were away, weren't they? But that being said, the way that Villa played last year, um, the signings they've made, you probably would have expected Villa to win that game relatively comfortably and they've lost 3-2. So just very briefly, um, thoughts on that game, guys? How good was Ismail Assar, by the way? got Matt Target taken off at half time <laughs> that was absolutely embarrassing and um, yeah when we find out what Watford's best team is going to be um, they'll be a really interesting interesting squad to watch I, I, again I, I think they'll be relatively solid as a team and they'll, they'll be in a relegation battle I think but they stand a chance so yeah uh, and, and uh, Villa will take time to settle that's all I want to say on them I think they'll take time to settle with the new signings yeah, yeah. if if you watch that game as well, I think two, at least two of Watford's goals came from Aston Villa losing it um, near the Watford penalty box. And there was some unbelievable counter-attacking, like Alex said, by uh, led by Sar, who was absolutely rapid. And his assist for um, one of them goals was just unbelievable. Um, yeah, I think you've got some new players there to blend in, haven't you, for Villa? Um, they'll be completely fine. Um Again, I'm going to keep, probably keep banging on about it, but that Vicarage Road was absolutely bouncing. And it's such an advantage, especially for a promoted team that first game of the season. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Villa, though. I think they'll do well. And uh, John McGinn's finish, not seen it. Class. What a finish. 
Brilliant. Well, yeah, I'm sure there'll be more shocks to come. Uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting season. I can't predict either end of the table, uh, so it's going to be great to watch. And with that, we'll go to more great to watch leagues. Um, Scott, do you want to <laughs> kick us off with uh, the, the football league questions, please? Yep. So I, I think the first one would be who's um, who's the biggest winners and losers this week from the three opening games in the championship. Um, you've certainly got you've certainly got some contenders in there. Um, QPR, who who would have thought they would have been uh, up there in our in our abouts the uh, the sort of the the playoffs and the leading contenders at the start of the season, but they've come out of the traps you know a million miles per hour there. Beat you in pre season, didn't they? Al? They they, they, they they did. It, uh, was it four two or five two? Four two. Four two, two. I think. Yeah. yeah. They scored a couple of absolute worldies as well. Amazing goals. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, Watford as well scoring for front uh, three games, nine goals scored. They're looking good already to bounce straight back up. Um, West Brom. Sorry, what did I say? Watford. I got Watford. Watford, up. Watford so, on yeah. the. Watford <laughs> on the line. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see West Brom's goals against Sheffield United yesterday? They were an embarrassment for Sheffield United, those, weren't they? Crikey, honestly. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. And, I, uh, and and the losers, I guess. Um, there's one big one there, Sheffield United. Yeah, oh, yeah. easy one to pick out, isn't it? <laughs> Not scored yet. Um, even Scunthorpe have scored. Um, so, yeah, they've you know one point from the opening three games. They've been battered by a couple of teams. They've... Not look good. I mean, we said I did say in the preview pod, even though pundits were saying you know they're going to go back up. I think probably maybe like a mid-table finish in the back of last season. Um, and then one of my dark holes is Forest played three, lost three. Good shout that one. Yes. Brutal. Honestly, still still struggling from that game when we they beat us. Anyway, Derby four points from three games. Scott, uh, how important is the experience they've managed to bring in going to be? Absolutely. I've been very impressed with Derby's resilience. Um, managed to watch um, one of the games while you know, the Leeds, the Leeds Man U game was going on. Kept an eye on the uh, Derby game and it was a great last minute turnaround from them. Um, Rooney's brought some real experience in there. Um, and I think you know it's going to be absolutely vital. You've got Phil Jagielka who's just joined this week. Uh, you've got a couple of us there as well. Uh, Sam Baldock's just joined as well. Um, I think doing great, you know, massively tip the sitting in 12th. I know it's three games gone, but a win, a loss and a draw so far and a win against Hull. Sorry, Jack, uh, the other night. So, yeah, good start. Well done, Rooney. I have mad respect for what he's doing there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as I, uh, as much as I don't like Derby and as much as I don't like Rooney, fair play to him for cracking on with it because, like you've said before, Scott, it's an awful situation to be in. Um, so uh, this weekend, who are we? What games are we looking out for? Any big clashes? Yeah, I mean, you got you got a big one already. Maybe Sheffield United, Huddersfield. You know, a bit of a Yorkshire derby there. Um, you know, both you've either thought Huddersfield will probably be scrapping near the bottom, and Sheffield United really need to get the season up and running. Um, and then a, another one would be West Brom, Blackburn. Free scoring West Brom, Blackburn out shy goals as well. So that that could be an entertaining one this weekend. Brilliant. And uh, with a one for the ACA returns, um, so let's hopefully get us off to a winning start this year. Uh, no pressure at all, Scott, but <laughs> what's your first pick? Full yeah. pressure, full pressure, Scott, full pressure. 
ju- just mentioned him. What? Not Watford. Uh, West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> really want to talk about Watford. I do. So good. Um, West Brom, Blackburn. Uh, we're going to go over 2.5 of that. Mentioned it already. All West Brom's games have all been over two far, uh, over 2.5, including 13 goals in them. And it's two out of three for Blackburn over 2.5. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. Fingers crossed. I think we won a couple last year, so uh, yeah, yeah, keep an eye on that one. I've got the faith, man. I'll be getting uh, getting those, these bets on Scotty. Don't you worry. Yeah. Uh, so moving further down the further down the pyramid uh, and going into League One, uh, Pompey and Burton, only teams with three wins from three. Is that a surprise? Um, are those the teams we expected to be up there? Portsmouth, yes. Um, a good season last season. Uh, they were up and around the uh, the top six pretty much all season there. So certainly one. Burton's a weird one. Um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank came in um, sort of at the back end of last year, um, maybe around Christmas time when they were, I think they were bottom or second bottom. And his record then, I think it was probably like 60, 70% win rate. It was, he went on and took them comfortably uh, just below mid midway. So, and I don't think anyone expected them to be pushing on this season, but Three from three, um, you know, scored four, conceded one. Brilliant start, fair play. Yeah, but if I remember, Burton went for a period where they just absolutely smashed it last year. Uh, yeah. They're, they're scoring a lot of goals and conceding very few. Um, so, interesting. Let's see if they can keep that up. Uh, joint favourites, Ipswich, a one point from opening three games. Uh, should they be panicking? <laughs> No, just shouldn't be panicking. You can, uh, I, I saw a, a Blackpool fan put some it last year that they had won two from their opening 10. Obviously, then got promoted. Last yeah. season, Ips, which were about seven or eight wins from an opening 10, missed out in the end. Absolutely should not be panicking. Um, leak, bit of a leaky defence, though. They have scored and conceded six. But as we mentioned in the preview pod, they bought a lot of players in. Um, they've only been losing by the odd goal as well. Um, so it's not like they're, they're being battered. One of the teams they lost to was Burton. So no, don't panic yet. And uh, in Paul Cut, they've got a good manager there. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I think it's a good point you make about not panicking in those anywhere from the Championship or lower, because a bit unlike the Premier League, where you tend to have teams winning the majority of their games at the top end of the table, it's just never the case, and you've got more places to play off, play for, don't you? In those, uh, in those lower loads leagues, loads of so. stories, isn't there? Yeah, loads yeah. of stories. Like it's yeah. the, the the Blackpool one they got promoted. They, they've had terrible starts to the season. Didn't Palace do it once? They weren't they like bottom at Christmas yeah. or something? Yeah. And the game was it yeah. sixth of the Championship. There's loads um, of chat, loads of time. And um, Roy Keane, when he took over at Sunderland um, as well, took them, took them right up as well. There you go. So definitely not time to panic yet. Uh, and any games that um, we should keep an eye on this weekend in League One? Yeah, another, another taste of Yorkshire one. Yorkshire's the place to be this weekend. Uh, Rob Room <laughs> Chef Wednesday. Um, that, that, looks, that looks like it could be, could be a bit feisty. And then Ipswich MK Dons, I'm going to touch on it, but if that's nil-nil, I'll eat my headphones. And they're big, You've they're heard big it headphones. Here. If You've heard it. Here. Podcast listeners, they're big headphones. <laughs> right, I'm guessing that that means they're involved in the one for the Acker, Scotty. So, what have you got for the Acker? Uh, we've we're doubled down in on 2.5s, so we're going for another over 2.5. I couldn't resist because MK Dons and Ipswich, all six games have been over 2.5 so far. So expect goals and Ipswich would be desperate for that win as well so I can't imagine them sitting back let's hope they haven't been working on their defences and training this week let's hope not (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, right, and uh, finally, we're moving down to League Two. Uh, we've got Bradford sitting in, sitting in second. No Leeds fan will like to see that. Uh, but they're already flexing their muscles and looking pretty uh, nailed on for promotion. Yeah, they are, yeah. As, as a Scunthorpe United fan, I still do follow a couple of our boys that left uh, Bradford last year, Easter and Gilead. And yeah, they're, they're doing extremely well. Six goals scored in the three games, only two conceded. They've got the manager in Derek Adams that knows how to get promoted. He did it last year with Markham. They're looking strong already. And another another team up there who are actually the only, well, actually I say the only teams, we've been hit with COVID in this league already. Some uh, Harrogate, bless them, has played once. Um, but Forest Green, free from free and looking like they're, uh, they've started um, where they left off sort of last year, just missing out on the uh, promotion last year. So I would love to see them uh, do well. Brilliant. And uh, moving on to Salford, who have got no wins <laughs> in their opening three games. Is Gary Neville going to do that thing that he criticised everybody else for, which is sacking managers? Uh, as much as I love to see them suffer, I don't want to see another manager lose their job there. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, um, again, highly tipped, big spenders, but, you know, they've not won yet. They've drew against Sutton and uh, Crawley, two really unfancied teams this year. Sorry, they drew against Sutton and lost to Crawley. Um, so, yeah, an interesting one. Keep an eye on it. You won't be surprised in two or three more games if not got a win yet to see him chopped because it's chalk and cheese and what they say on the, you know, on Sky Sports out there. So keep an eye on that one. Well, hopefully they're, hopefully they're near the bottom come the end of the year. I mean, I don't personally want to see them do well. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> is there anyone else that we should be looking at down there who's, uh, who should be worried already? Oldham, what fancied is a team probably to struggle. They're highly tipped to go down this year and they've started three losses from three. Only one goal, four conceded. I think they'll be, be worried. Um, well, that's, I guess that's not too... How many goals they've conceded. It's like 1-0, 1-0 and 2-1, isn't They're not shipping goals. Yeah, but they're not scoring any. So yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Can't yeah. we, can't we games, can you? <laughs> Concerning. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll be on. And yeah, Warsaw as well. Uh, they've got a point and it was against Scunthorpe. So that's nothing to uh, shout home about. So yeah, keep an eye on them. And then, yeah, Scunthorpe safe in 19. So no worries here. <laughs> oh dear. Well, fingers crossed for Scunthorpe this weekend. Um yeah. Games of the weekend. Uh, who are we looking out for on Soccer Saturday this week? Games of the weekend this weekend. Is a, there's certainly a couple that stand out there. Um, I would say Salford, Swindon. We touched on there. Salford at home. Swindon had all the troubles at the start of the season. They managed to get together a pretty decent squad in the last week when they got took over. Um, so I can see I, I was at the game when Scunny played Swindon the other week and they did look pretty good. So I can imagine that being a tricky one. Um and yeah, Hartlepool Warsaw as well. Um, I think they've only played a couple of games, Hartlepool. Um, so it'd be good to see how they get on against the struggling Warsaw team. You've got a big game, haven't you? And Sutton, uh, yeah, six pointer, yeah, early six pointer. <laughs> I feel yeah. like you've said that about every game so far. You definitely said it on the opening day. Yeah. <laughs> you all are, mate. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I've been. You know, when you get down to like League One, League Two, anything like that, you're always thinking every single game is six point. It's so true. There's yeah. so much danger, so much danger involved. Definitely. Um, right. And the last element of the one for the Acker, who are we finishing that one off? Is it another 2.5? It is, but it's under 
Um, it's I couldn't resist. It's Tramir Newport. <laughs> In all of Tramir's first three games, there's been one goal. That's a bit interesting for their fans to go tr- uh, watch them. Um, <laughs> and two out of the three games for Newport have all been under 2.5. That's including one nil, two one nil games as well. So, yeah, expect that to be 4 4, probably. Yeah. So. Well, you've got that. It's a good one to sweat in under 2.5. It means you've got skin in the game the whole, all the way through the game. So, yeah. Uh, so, just to confirm those, you've got West Brom Blackburn over 2.5, Ipswich MK Dons over 2.5, and Tranmere Newport under 2.5. Uh, as our one for the Akapics, uh, as always, gamble responsibly. Uh, don't gamble any more than uh, you can afford to lose. Uh, and with that, we will more, move back into the Premier League to talk about the other title candidates. Uh, so, I mean, there's a few people in the game. City obviously lost. Um, they were probably people's odds-on favourites this year. But very close behind them, I think, in terms of who people thought would do well with Chelsea. Um, especially pleasing for them to see to see them winning three 0 I would guess for Chelsea fans without that Lukaku uh, sign already in the team. Now they've got him. How much of a threat are they? Are you scared, Alex? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, w- one thing I will say about the the team so far in, in terms of the, the top four like title contenders is when you have a look at who has who signed who and and where what players they brought in. Like who's plugged the hole that you actually think that they needed to be plugged? So whereas I look at Chelsea and 100% their main place was a striker. So they bought one one player for 100 million quid and he's a proven Premier League asset and one of the best strikers in the world. And they've whacked him up front. So they've they've solved that problem. Man United, to be fair for us, we've signed a centre-half, which we desperately needed, and we needed a right-sided attacker. Yeah, sure, we'd love a central midfielder as well, but we plugged our holes where we needed to plug our holes. Liverpool need a centre midfielder and a centre back. They bought a centre back. They probably one player away. But City needed a striker, and they bought bought another midfielder. So what really makes me look at Chelsea and go, "Wow, okay, they've literally improved the one area where I looked at them pre-season and thought, now nah, they're a bit weak there. Now they're not weak. They're the European champions. They've got a great manager. Um, Maybe a bit too soon to call them favourites, but, but but still at the same time, it's, it's an amazing start. And they've shown strength in depth at the back with with Shalaber and Christensen stepping in as well for uh, James and um, Thiago Silva. So, yeah, scared. And they're still in for Koundé as well. Am I I'm saying that right, Koundé? Uh, yeah. yeah, they're still trying to get him in, which confused me a little bit because I have got a lot of centre-back options, but they obviously must be looking to move some of them on. But yeah, Shalabar, if you have, again, talking about goals, if you haven't seen them, Shalabar's strike is uh, brilliant and it's his first Premier League start for them, so pretty amazing. He was in a blast of was in tears, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he was crying straight away, wasn't he, after him. That, that's just, uh, he's been at the club, I think, since he was eight years old. Um, Trevor Shalabar. I, I thought it was Uber Chalabar when he scored. I couldn't believe he was still at the club. <laughs> <laughs> it does show with the, the signing of the centre back, though. It shows they're going to play three at the back, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which is which is a lot of what a lot of top clubs do these days, right? It's a, it's been shown to be a winning tactic. It does the, um, it does make me laugh though. We sat if we sat here a week ago, we'd have all gone, yeah, City are favourites. It's amazing. One game. One game. One game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Chelsea are favourites now. It's like, that's not you, Albert. I've heard seen other pundits saying it, and I'm like, it's one game. Come on, boys. Let's, uh, let's chill out. I mean, City are going to win 5-6 now this weekend, so it'll be a different yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's a good point, Scott. Percept- perceptions change so quickly. Uh, I think it was just the way that City lost that maybe made people think that. But you're right. If they go out and smash them with 5-0 at the weekend, everything changes again. Oh, and they buy Kane. Like, imagine they get Kane and well, they smash Norwich 5-0. Everyone goes, oh, well, we're not going to beat City now, are they? I meant to be speaking about Kane, but... The, uh, sorry about Chelsea, but there's rumours that they've cancelled their approach for Kane because it's dragged on too long. And they're now looking at Vlahovic, if I'm saying that correct, for 80 million euros as a, as a secondary option. Apparently, they've inquired about him. So watch that space there. Uh, that might happen before the end of the window. Um, on the other end of that Chelsea win were Crystal Palace, who we were concerned about for uh, relegation this year under uh, Briera. Any signs in that game that we were wrong about that, or is it just way too early for them for us it's, to make that call? These aren't going to be the games what we're going to judge Crystal Palace on away to one of the favourites. So we just can't, we can't judge them at all right now. Um, I've, I'll be honest, I watched the highlights. I don't think there was too many highlights um, for Palace. It was mainly Chelsea. Um, but just looking at well, looking ahead, it's let's judge them after Brentford this weekend. Yeah. That's when we'll see what they're about. Fair point. Yeah. All right, moving on to one of the other outside shots for the for the league. Call them an outside shot. They're definitely not an outside shot, but they are when you look at City squad. Uh, Liverpool, um, you know, the return of Big Verge uh, must have been a massive boost for them. Uh, was he back to his best? Uh, and it's got to be a huge boost for Jurgen Klopp seeing three of his four attacking players out there getting attacking returns on the first day of the season. That's massively positive. So good signs for them. I, do, I just agree with what you just said there, Tom. I think um, they're probably, considering basically they had their like, second string central midfield out in essence. Uh, Harvey Elliott came on. I think it's Harvey Elliott, isn't it? And he came on blood all right. And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're still contenders. I think they do need one more sign in a midfielder. And what what midfielder do they need to plug that gap then based on that first game? You know, who would you, what kind of midfielder should they be looking for? Is it an attacking midfield or is it a box to box? Is it a, a box to box? For their style and the way that they play, that's anyway. This is where you need someone like Gully to have this conversation. He watches them week in, week out, so much detail, <laughs> there's, doesn't he? But, there's a, there's a lot a, of... They need a GG, don't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> they do. Well, although GG went over and he played his first game for PSG, didn't he? And he got absolutely slated. I think um, they gave most of the papers there gave him a three out of ten. But if you look at his underlying statistics, his pass percentage was like 94%. You know, he did exactly what GD does, which is play possession football. You know, he didn't lose the ball. He was solid in midfield. So, um, yeah, they weren't very impressed with him. So, <laughs> maybe Liverpool were best to get rid. Uh, and again, on the other side, that we had Norwich. Um, is there any hope for them, really? Or, or I, think, just... I, I think there's hope. I don't, I don't think yeah. they played terrible in that game, from what I saw anyway. Like, I, I, I thought they had a bit going forward. Uh, the Rashika with a new signing, he looks all right to be fair. Um, and again, they've got that experience. They've got from the manager to majority of the players, they've got that experience in Premier League football. They certainly need one or two signings because obviously they've lost um, lost Grandier and lost one or two others. But I, I, I don't think they're going to just going to be cutting. You know, you know, we, we shouldn't relegate them already. Um, let's see how they play this weekend against Man City. And then Leicester and then Arsenal. <laughs> the start to the That's season, the six-pointer. Arsenal six-pointer. It is oh. in Arsenal, yes. They can like, bully them, can't they? Do you know what? They only need to pick up one win out of those games, though, to give them a massive morale boost. <laughs> Which one? Arsenal. I don't know. I'm just saying. Just <laughs> probably, they just need to pick... Well, probably Arsenal, yeah. yeah. If we're talking about Brentford being able to beat them, in theory, Norwich should be able to do the same. It's, in it's, theory. It's how they react when 
they lose four in a row, which will be interesting, which could they could easily do. It's how they bounce back from that. And it can be a big it. it can be a big mountain to climb, can't it, when you get that far behind that early. Yeah. Uh, and probably the last one, which I really didn't want to talk about, but I would, I've worn my lead shirt to make sure that it's, uh, it's clear that I'm not ashamed um, because I'd prefer us to play that kind of football. But Man United uh, absolutely did us over again, um, probably in about 15 minutes of football, to be honest. The rest of the game was, yeah, Man United on top, but it, I don't think um, it was maybe as reflective as a scoreline was in the end. Uh, but I do think that 15 minutes, we just completely fell apart. Uh, so let's not talk about Leeds United's frailties because we all know them. <laughs> uh, but Man United, you know, which players stood out to you? Alex specifically, you know, you've watched them a lot. Um, which uh, which players did you think, wow, that's that's a better performance than I was expecting? I think there's a couple of clear answers. There. Oh, yeah, well, Pogba was just unbelievable compared to what he normally is. Um, no, he's, he's such a, he is an inconsistent footballer, isn't he? But like, he was unbelievable. Um, he had a lot more time on the ball than I thought he would. Um, we kind of weirdly dropped into like he kind of dropped a bit deeper, but he could because Fred and McTomway were there to cover up and and whatever else. And the high energy midfield work, it, it, and Bruno obviously in Greenwood, and it, it, it's the obvious people. But sometimes the way Leeds play against us, it's just it's like they're just the perfect side for us to play against when they play like that. Like our style against Leeds's style, we've had a 6 2 and a 5 1. and you could have scored a couple more goals in that game. I mean, Wailings was was a worldie. I mean, Rafinha should have scored at the end, definitely. Um, but we we probably could have scored a few more as well. So it's it's one of those, isn't it? And I don't think Leeds' season is not going to be defined by that game. And Man United fans are not getting carried away by what well, they probably are because I'm not a normal Man United fan, apparently. But we're not getting carried away by that game. But I think we look good. All, all I will say on that in the Leeds, uh, sort of the neutral person here, is I don't think they will, but I'd be a bit worried as a Leeds fan. How many teams have we seen get called out in the second season? Sheffield United got found out last year. Um, other teams have done it. Teams have figured them out. Um, I don't think you will. I can still think you'll finish top 10, but slightly worried. Is that a slight worry of yours? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm worried because I definitely was watching it. But you know what I'm like. I see red during a game and then 10 minutes later, I've calmed down massively. But thinking about it now, and now I've had a few days to settle on it, I think when I look at that game, a lot of that team you know, were mid-level championship players up until two years ago. And they've had to go to pretty much their first game in the Premier League with fans in it to Old Trafford away. You know, the amount of pressure they must have felt is is unbelievable. You know, they've not played a Premier League game in front of fans and to do it as the first one against Old Trafford at Man United um, is, is pretty tough. So I've got to let them off for that. And like Alex says, I don't think it'll define our season. On a larger scale, though, I wasn't really talking about just Man U because unfortunately you're going to lose to Man U when you play like that. Um, it could have been eight or nine. Um, you got absolutely mauled. But as a, against these other teams like Aston Villa and uh, them teams that you're going to compete with, um, are you worried that they're going to figure leads out and you're going to be finding yourself in a scrap? No, because I think actually, for like I say, I think when you look at that Man United game, yes, they did. It was a mauling, but, but it was in specific segments of the game. They could have scored more. We could have scored more. And also, we didn't do the things that we did well. Lorente should have been in that game. He wasn't, you know, I don't think Cooper and Stroke work as a partnership in the centre of defence. Uh, there was a lot more issues with that Leeds performance than just giving Bruno too much time. But, you know, when we drew with Man United, uh, we did it by putting uh, Robin, uh, Calvin Phillips on Bruno Fernandes. 
and Bruno Fernandes scored three goals because Robin Koch kept losing his man. And if you watch goals back every time, Bruno just floats in completely unmarked and you can't do that against a player of that quality. So I actually think if we'd have had Lorente, if we'd have had Calvin Phillips in that game, you probably still would have won, but I don't think it would have been 5-1. I think Calvin would have would have marshaled Bruno much better. I agree. I agree with that, Tom. But just for podcast listeners, Tom is still sitting in the dark with the curtains closed. Uh, so I don't think you, I don't. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you're that over it yet. Um, still, and, uh, but, still morning. But your, your next next two games are big for Leeds, aren't they? Everton yeah, versus yeah. Rafa, and and also um, you're at home. So yeah, yeah. massive game against Everton, and uh, you know Scott's going to talk about the passion, the fans, and literally Ellen Road is, is, is what a place. It's going to be yeah. absolutely rocking in that game. And then uh, you've got Burnley away. So it's a good couple of fixtures. Uh, Everton's going to be a tough one. I know. Four that. points from Burnley them. Four points from them, and you'll be fine. That's yeah. what you need. Just one win. Just get us off, get us off the mark. That's all we need. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's get away from Leeds United. I'm still, still a little raw on that one. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about fantasy football, Alex, where I'm a little bit happier. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go through the game week review and all those kind of bits. Yes, it sounds good. So, uh, game game week one, um, we had an average of sixty nine points, which I, I'm not sure if we'll see a higher average all season, um, and because that's from all six and a half million fantasy managers. Never mind all the ones that took it incredibly seriously, and you were seeing scores of over a hundred popping up left, right, and centre. Um, Salah was fifty four percent owned and forty one percent captained. Uh, Bruno fifty one percent owned. 14% captain, 17 and 20 points respectively. Pogba, 16 points. Alonso, Marcus Alonso, the man. A couple of years ago, everyone loved him in fantasy football. I had Alonso all the time, but 15 points. A um, couple of things about chip usage, which I, I like. Um, triple captain, 3.46% of all fantasy managers triple captained. And I don't think you'll find a better way. You'll be lucky if your triple captain gets you 17 points again. Like they've actually used it an amazing time because the majority of them were on Salah and the second highest amount was on Bruno. So well done to everyone who used your triple captain. You've, you've, had a, you've had a world. You've started off as good as you can do, even in a double game week with Calvert-Lewin. Scott, remember that one. Um, you're not going to beat that. <laughs> Um, and also the bench boost. I'm a big advocate of using the bench boost game week one. I mean, I haven't got the balls to do it, but I think a lot of people do. And you can build a team and 2.18% thing was uh, used it and they all did really well. So fair play to them. Players like Ailing off the bench scoring worldies. Um, so yeah, good, good good game week review. Tom, um, you you did, uh, you did pretty decent, didn't you, this game week in terms of your points amount. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to touch on, on Scott too much though. In terms of uh, in terms of his number, the only one of us to get uh, get below average, um, and us guys as um, uh, I mean, Cully's not here, so I'm not going to give him any credit. He got the best out of all of us, but screw him. But uh, as a podcast team, that what we did together, we got 84 points. Don't know how you feel about that as a score, Tom. Good, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right. I think that's why I was better than what my personal score was. So, but that's because uh, we had Man United players in there. We had Greenwood instead of Rafinha. Oh, it turns out that was a good call. Well done, everyone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> no, it's a good score, isn't it? 84 um, as the podcast team. I think that's a pretty good effort in the first week. It's very hard to judge. I know you like to say there was a lot of people getting plus 100. Every single one of them will have had pretty much Salah and uh, Bruno, I would guess. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, I'm happy with... I was, my, my first game week was made by Ben Rama, to be honest. If it wasn't for him, I would have probably not been quite as happy, so... 
fantastic result actually going uh, towards that one and uh, just so for, for everyone that's listening or watching this so what we're doing if you haven't already heard this season is we're doing a separate fantasy uh, fantasy football YouTube show and uh, and podcast uh, where we'll go into a lot more finer detail about the game week itself and all of the scorers uh, and results etc um, but uh, um, this section is a little bit more about uh, questions from you guys that you've sent in. And I know Tom's got a few written down just there to fire away and ask me. And I'll try my best to, uh, to give the best response I can do. Thank you very much, Alex. Right, let's uh, fire off. So are there any must-have players off the game, back of game week one? I know it's only one week, but are there any players that you looked at and just thought they have to come in? No, but there are, <laughs> there are, there are players that we must watch an obvious there's the obvious Bruno and Salah if you don't have them you've got to watch one or the other that's pretty pretty plain and simple other Manchester United assets because they've got still a good run of fixtures at this point you've got to look at Pogba you've got to look at Greenwood the only reservation I've got on Greenwood is when Martial came on Greenwood went wide and Martial played through the middle so that's my only thing about Greenwood uh, but you've got to keep an eye on these guys and any of the Man United backline and Liverpool Obviously, Jota and Firmino sharing minutes. Uh, if you haven't bought Simicass in already, don't bother because Robertson's back in training uh, and running again. So your usuals for Liverpool, your Trents and your Salas. Um, your Ben Rama, Antonio and Cresswell. Uh, don't forget Soufal because Soufal would have got an assist if Antonio hadn't hit the post. Um, so he would have still done really well. But you've got to watch those guys at West Ham because I do think they were really impressive. Um, and also just keep an eye on Chelsea, who's playing there. Um, and if you want to enter Pep Roulette, then good luck. So those are the first guys. One last little... St. Maximan looks so exciting to watch, doesn't he? Like, just as a player. So if you want to have a bit of fun with fantasy, I mean, I know he's a striker and it's a disgrace on the game, but might be one to watch. Oh, everyone keeps telling me not to let your, your heart come into it, Alex. Fantasy is about, about facts, <laughs> about numbers about points on the table so he might be nice to watch but does he deliver that's the question I want to know um I've actually got a question for you Alex because I took a bit of my gambling game week one was Sadio Mane and seeing Liverpool's three or four of their attacking players get uh get points this week was a bit aggravating um should I panic on Mane uh, you know because it's a lot of money to have tied up in a Liverpool player that's uh, not going to get me points no you shouldn't panic and actually I really like your team structure so when I look at Mane right now for you, you shouldn't make any transfers this week in that sense. You keep him obviously for Burnley at home and then they've got Chelsea next after that at that point. So before game week three, you should hopefully have two free transfers. If you make another transfer, that's fine, but you should hopefully have two free transfers. You can make three changes with a minus four points and you've got massive amounts of flexibility with the money that's there in Mane. And also you've still got a, a differential asset there who's scored over 200 points in previous seasons at home against Burnley, back at Anfield in front of fans. And by the looks of it as well, he's not the one that's getting rotated. Jota and Firmino is. So, no, I mean, let's be honest. Maris didn't pay off for me as a gamble. Harvey Barnes didn't pay off for me as a pick. Mane didn't pay off for you, but Ben Rama did. I think it, it, game after, at the end of game week two, I think there'll be a lot of people going, I wish we had Mane. So I don't think you should panic. I think your team's got great flexibility. Great. I won't panic then. I'll, I'll, I'll follow the plan. Follow the plan. Uh, which cheap options, Sean? Uh, you know, if somebody's looking for a, a budget switch, who can they uh, who can they bring in? They're really important to pay attention to these guys. You know, when you're looking at your transfers. So, for example, if I'm trying to upgrade Mares to Bruno, I'll need to downgrade like 
maybe Shaw down to one of these four million pound defenders or something like that to try and make my balance of my team work out. So you've got to pay attention to the, the cheap players that are playing. So the cheap players that are playing, Simicast obviously at the moment, but he, he, he will lose his place. Shane Duffy, you know, he, he played for Brighton. He played really quite well, actually. Four million option, Liveramento. Potentially he's got good longevity. Walker Peters maybe is a threat to him or whatever else, but he also played. Um, defensive midfield is actually the place where you can probably save the most money and go to maybe a 3-4-3 formation. So the defensive midfield is at 4.5 million. We'll do a lot more on that on the actual main podcast, but probably someone like Billy Gilmore seems... Um, uh, relatively nailed on and he's probably one of the more creative options at 4.5 million I think that's where you'll get your consistent starters and you'll be able to save that money so for me for example I might take Mares and Barnes and turn that into Bruno and um, Gilmore so just pay attention to those guys but I would say a, a defence midfield is your best options and Gilmore will be the top of that and God, just love Livermorento and, and, and Duffy actually yeah, I saw a lot of uh, fantasy gurus and all of this kind of stuff suggesting Liberamento. Um, so he must have had a good opening day performance. And I'm guessing um, people were, were just surprised to see him starting in that team. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, which City player do I choose? Are there any City players to choose? I had loads of questions about this this week from different people. City, they play Norwich. Who do I get? Who do I get? Who do I get? Well, Maris and Grealish are probably the two that are most nailed on to start along with Kevin De Bruyne but no one's nailed on because it's Pep. So that's why I find it really difficult to captain one of these players. But uh, City looked like a completely different team with Kevin De Bruyne in it. So obviously, if you can afford him, Kevin De Bruyne. If you can't, I think Grealish will play because, again, he stayed on for the whole of the match, whereas Mahrez got subbed off. Mm. And uh, Sterling got subbed off and Grealish was pushed further forward. So I think it would go De Bruyne, Grealish, Mahrez, and that would be the order of people that I would go in in terms of who I would pick for a City player if you were wanting to bring them in. But bear in mind, they do then face Arsenal, then Leicester, Southampton, then Chelsea, then Liverpool. So, But their fixtures turn really nicely in game week eight. So if I hadn't got a City player at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't be bringing one in for this game. It's the only real reason why I brought Mahrez in to start the season because I thought Spurs might be a bit soft. I was wrong. And now they're playing Norwich, so... That, and, and he's actually looking to be my transfer out game week three and he's where my funds are like you have for Mane oh, and that, that was the last question wasn't it Tom so, uh, it was so, it was you can so, finish uh, it off with your captain picks for the week though. yeah relatively obvious Bruno or Salah cheers then um, and uh, if you want to go differential Greenwood maybe Son uh, they're playing Wolves so it, it, you, know, you want to go Mane or Jotty you can do but it, it's basically Bruno or Salah and the deadline is at 11am on Saturday so get your teams sorted out by them. Wonderful stuff. As Alex has already mentioned, he will be doing a more thorough uh, fantasy football podcast um, every week. You'll be able to get more in-depth analysis of the players, the reasoning behind uh, behind picking them, you know, like he's been talking about fixture differentials. So please do uh, tune into that if you like fantasy football like we do. Uh, so just to finish off, boys, um, as we usually do, I'm going to hit you with some quick-fire questions. Uh, the first one um, is your player of the weekend. Scott, 30 seconds, best player of the weekend. Alex is talking a bit of fun in a way. Um, ASM, <laughs> St. Maxim, wow. Um, I, I'd, for like every, you were watching the game opposite me, and every two minutes you were just making some very interesting noises when he was getting on the ball. Um, and then I watched the highlights and... He's incredible, and yeah. he's, he's going to be, if he remains fit, he's going to be an absolute icon this season at Newcastle. The fans will love him. 
so yeah i thought it was fantastic i loved watching it yeah great shout those uh i was definitely making some strange noises he does things with the ball i've i've not quite seen before so um alex well, I'm I'm not going to go for a Man United player. I obviously would have done, but I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm you. not. I'm not going to. I'm going to get stay away from it, and I'm going to go for Trevor Shalaba. I think he looked assured at the back. I think he did all of the simple things right. I think he looked as commanding as. And, and I, I know he didn't probably have the a worldy game overall, but for a first ever Premier League start, he's worked his way up to that moment in his career. The emotion, the build up, everything surrounding it. And then he goes and whacks one in from 25 yards. I, I think what a dream debut and I just want him to be player of the weekend for that reason. Yes, yeah, so good, good shout with Shalabath, that Alex, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Loved it. Why not? Let's do it. Brilliant. Well, Alex, uh, just going on to uh, back onto Everton, and we kind of mentioned briefly, but Rafa must have been panicking in those opening uh, in those opening passages of play. But a brilliant comeback from them. Positive signs. Yeah, definitely for Rafa. Um, he, uh, I mean, let's be honest. The goal came from Michael Keane pretending he was dribbling through some cones alone by himself at the back, uh, which was ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, overall good. They've, they've they've played to their strengths. They got plenty of crosses in the box. They played down the wings. They played pacey. They hit Calvert Lewin. Um, I think we're going to see very ABC stuff like that from Rafa, especially at the start. So yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, Scotty Harland showing just why he's the hottest property in Europe uh, against Frankfurt. Uh, should City really be focusing so much on Kane, or should they be waiting for Harland? I don't know, mate. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'd say they should go Haaland. Like, I think we last season we all said Haaland over Mbappe. Like, it's just, yeah, it, they should be, but it's all that they can get him for cheaper next summer. I think that's just in everyone's head, isn't it? So I'd, I don't think Haaland's going to move now. I don't think there's enough uh, hype around it. So I think Haaland will be at Dortmund, but it's interesting because Munich now, by Munich, are sort of interesting. And it's coming out today that Lewandowski wants a new challenge. So are we going to see everyone just sort of flipping around? Interesting. Yeah, very good point. Uh, yeah, and um, going over to the French League, Christophe Gaultier returned to Lille and delivered a 4-0 victory for Nice against the team that he just won the title with. Uh, we talk a lot about big players making the difference and we focus a lot on players, but is it really time we start putting more emphasis on the managers and what they can do and actually prioritising you know, proper quality managers over players? We need more good quality English managers coming through, definitely. You know, we've, we've done great work through the system of getting British players, English players through, but English managers is, is that that it needs to be done. There needs to be something done about bringing these guys through because they're all coming from abroad, these top guys. Um, and they're always the fall guy, but they hardly hardly ever the ones that get the most credit, managers. So, uh, yeah, a lot needs to be put on their, put on their, 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 their shoulders and also they need to be bigged up loads. They deserve it. It's a really good point. I should see all these you know all these foreign managers that have got these brilliant philosophies and delivering brilliant football teams and there's not really many english managers doing that at the moment well, who, who would rep- sorry i know who would replace southgate right now for you that's english i mean eddie howe would be my first pick probably which is not 
Last yeah. year we got relegated with Bournemouth. This is that, that's the point on that one. Anyway, that's what I'm saying about it. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, Scott Tammy Abraham finally got his move away, but it's to Roma, which I think is a bit unexpected. I don't think anyone thought he'd go overseas. Is that a good move for him? It's a lot of money for Tammy Abraham. You say it's a lot of money, but for what 23? It's 23 years old. He's proven goal scorer everywhere that he's been at. Um, yes, not all in the highest level of England in the Championship. But what he did a job for Frank Lampard, your favourite pal at Chelsea. And I think 35 million for a 23 year old guy can put the ball on the back of net that can head a ball as well. He's pretty good. I love the fact that it's going abroad. I hope he's seen other players, young players, do it um, so over the last few years and see how well they've done. Sancho, for example. So, yeah, excited. I think he'll probably cut his teeth for a few years. Hope he does well. And then Chelsea will sign him for 100 million. Brilliant, brilliant. Probably just a bit too much of an ask for him at Chelsea, isn't it? They need a, they want a yes. ready-made striker at the moment. So. Uh, okay, brilliant. Well, that wraps up the show today. Thank you very much, boys, for all the all the sections and all the contributions. Um, just a reminder to to our listeners that you can follow us on All In Football Pod on Instagram, and if you're 12 years old on TikTok. Uh, all in football p is our twitter handle um, and just a reminder that we've got alex's fantasy football podcast which you can also tune into on a weekly basis uh, so with that i will end the show and thank you very much <laughs>